Welcome to Let's Play Business. Welcome everyone to Let's Play Business, the show that explores how games can make people better at business and business better for people. Welcome to the show and episode number five. And of course, I am Ben Fowler, one of your hosts, Director of Alternate Experiences, that fabulous gamification company. Uh, and I'm here with my co-host, Zuki Magikwana. Zuki, please say hello to our adoring fan. Hello, adoring fans. How are you doing today? Um, so, what have you been up to, Zuki, and what have you been playing? What have you been businessing? I've been digging out the archives, and I've cracked out a little bit of Final Fantasy VIII. Do you remember that? I remember playing a Final Fantasy game, but obviously because there's so many, I can't remember what number of Final Fantasy game it was. <laughs> there were literally so many, and they're all basically the same. <laughs> but yeah, what about you? What have you been up to? What have I been up to? Uh, what have I been playing? Well, I got a VR, virtual reality, headset for my 30th birthday recently. Oh. Very exciting. Although now devastated that I officially can't make it into the 30 under 30. So that's, you know. Anyway, so yeah, got a VR headset. I've been playing a game called Half-Life Alex. My God, like scary games in VR are genuinely next level scary. It's scary to the point that I can't really play it or certainly can't play certain parts of it unless Sophie is in the room, my wife at the same time. <laughs> like I've tried to play it one evening and Sophie had gone to bed really early and it was like nine o'clock or whatever. And I was like, you know what? I'm a grown man. I can play a game without, you know, the support of my wife in the same room. Um, I was wrong. I could not. And I packed it in after about 15 minutes. So I just got to a bit and I was just too scary. So anyway, that's what I'm playing in terms of businessing what's interesting is we're really starting to see the market just really start to shift now like things are changing very very quickly and um, but the market it just means is like utterly unpredictable week on week it changes and what people need and want it's so hard to pinpoint at the moment but it's just taught me that like no matter how quickly you prepare you generally need to prepare even faster than you did like you just have to act even quicker than you think you do it's a great time to be in business anyway that's enough about us Zuki. i think it's time to welcome on our fifth guest. Welcome, Alicia Grimes, to the podcast. How are you doing? Hi, I'm really good. Great to be here on your fifth episode. This is very exciting. Please tell our adoring fan a little bit about yourself, what you do. So I'm Alicia. I am a service designer by trade, um, and I'll dig into a bit more of what that means in a minute, but I'm also the co-founder of the Futurekind Collective. So we're a company that works with startups and scale-ups to define their purpose, design their culture, and ultimately grow their impact. That was incredibly succinct. <laughs> well practiced. <laughs> I'm going to find a way to unravel the succinctness now, uh, Alicia, as, as best as possible. What would be your ideal project? What would be a dream project at the Future Kind Collective? I like that question. That's a really good one. In terms of an ideal project, because we deal with kind of the three elements of purpose, culture and growth, for me, it's anything that could dive into that as a whole. So that would be really defining their purpose, kind of where is that North Star, where do they want to be aiming for? 
How do they create an incredible culture around that? So how do they bring the right people in, align everyone to their purpose, their vision and their mission? And then ultimately, what's the plan to help that growth happen? So how are they tapping into understanding people better, putting people at the center of everything they're doing to grow their company, both internally, but also externally for their customers too. And how did you get into this line of work? So my background is in service design. And often when, when I say that to people, they're like, come again. Um, but essentially being a service designer, I like to think that we sit in that sweet spot of understanding user needs, business value, and the organizational capabilities to basically deliver awesome services, products, and experiences. It's really about putting people at the center of everything you do, but then thinking, actually, can the business gain value from that? How does it drive that? And do we have the capability and the people in order to do that? Is being a service designer, is it like a a thing where it's you can get qualified as a service designer or is it something that you just develop over a number of roles? It's a really interesting one because I've found with service designers we come from all kinds of different backgrounds. So I started off with an art degree, then went into marketing and then became a service designer. I've had other colleagues who started off as business analysts or they might have started in the world of banking and finance and I think that's what's so awesome about it as well because we're bringing all that knowledge into how we help businesses create these great products and services effectively. What you're describing in terms of the work you do is almost something that needs to be embedded within all business leaders, but kind of at this point isn't. Yeah, I think it's hugely valuable. I mean, I'm hugely biased as well in that, <laughs> but actually it, that underpins exactly what the Future Kind Collective is about, is that we embed those skills in the organisations that we work with. And do you come across many games in your line of work? Yes, we do. In fact, if I don't come across them, I introduce them. For me, creativity is one of my core values and play um, comes into that. Our brains are far better at memorising things or experiences if we've had fun while doing it. So that's why I'm a huge fan of games and this podcast. Did you like what I did there? <laughs> we loved it. We loved it. When we said adoring fan earlier, you were who we were referring to. <laughs> the way this is going to work, if you haven't listened before, we're going to have three rounds or three levels. First game of the decade. We're going to take our favourite game on this episode and find out what it taught us about business. So level two, Dingo's the interview. Uh, we'll be asking Alicia about her business journey and how games may have helped her along the way. And then finally, level three, Game My Problem. We're going to have 60 seconds to come up with a game that will help us solve a business problem that you've sent in. Level one, Game of the Decade. Right, welcome to Game of the Decade. As you know, Zuki, it was my turn to come up with Game of the Decade this time and I've come up with a classic. I'm gonna go on a limb and say all of our listeners have not just heard of this game, but have played this game. So the game is Stuck in the Mud. Classic. <laughs> what a throwback. What a throwback. Have you ever played it before, Alicia? I have, and I was just, as you were saying it, I was like, wow, that I think I had a flashback there. And I don't know, I don't know if it was a positive one, but yeah, I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously stuck in the mud. So for, for anyone who can't quite remember it, I'm sure you played it, for anyone who can't quite remember it. So what you used to do is one person, I don't even know the name of the person, but someone would be like the, 
the tagger. And they would literally chase everyone. And then if they touched you, you would officially be stuck in the mud and you would just have to stand still. The way to unstuck someone is someone else, they could run and crawl under the legs of that person and that would make them unstuck. And obviously the person going around getting everyone stuck in the mud, their goal is to get everyone stuck in the mud. And obviously for everyone else, it's to not get stuck in the mud. So a very simple concept of a game. And there was a couple of things I think are really relevant to business on this. So the first thing that I wanted to know about Stuck in the Mud is, so as I said, I was not, and I'm still not, a particularly fast runner. And you know what it is? If you remember being in the school playground, being a fast runner was like a thing. You knew how fast everyone could run. You just knew that everyone was always like, let's race. And I'd be like, let's not. Because of that though, you also knew if you were playing Stuck in the Mud, whoever was like the tagger person, you always knew how fast they were. And for me, they were pretty much always faster than me. And sometimes they were a lot faster than me. And I thought of this in the sense of kind of in business in terms of like your competitors. And sometimes you have competitors where there are certain edges that they will have that you cannot do anything about, that there is nothing you can do about it. Particularly if maybe you're, so you know, we're a reasonably small company, there might be some competitors that are very large companies. They have access to resources, financial or otherwise. We as a company do not have. And so in Stuck in the Mud, you just have to accept that. Like if you just try and outrun and think, I'll oh, just run faster, it will not work. Like it just won't work. They will catch you. There's no two ways about it. And so you have to use the environment or basically think of edges that you can get on your competitors. So one of the things they would often do in Stuck in the Mud, you would try and use physical objects to obstruct them. So you would like run around things, you would hide behind things, like to throw them off the scent. Likewise, you try and like fool them on the direction that you're going to go. So they're like in front of you and you're like with your arms out. And so you get like a split second advantage if you manage to make them think you were gonna go a different direction and you go the other one. So all these little behaviors you do where you're like, I'm in control of this. These are strategies I can put in place to beat my competitors ultimately, to have an edge over them. And I think that's a really useful way about thinking about business because sometimes with some of your competitors, you can really obsess over, oh God, we really need to be as good at them on this thing or that thing. And sometimes there are just certain things where you just need to accept it's not possible. Like it's just not possible. And you need to work out the things where you can gain an edge far more easily and quickly. I remember being a kid and I remember being I was I was a distance runner, so like you know I could I could just keep going, but I was not getting there very fast. <laughs> I would like hang around the edges and I would like wait for people to get picked off because I knew that if the if the tagger ever got close to me, I would be stuffed. Being strategic from an early age, there, Zuki, just like <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> That's why I got bullied. <laughs> what was your strategy, Alicia? Uh, I'd hide. Uh, so I'm not sure how that relates to business. It was more kind of just keeping out of their kind of peripheral vision, making sure that I wouldn't be spotted. I remember when the pandemic struck back in 2020 and there was a lot of conversation at the time about whether to hunker down and sort of like insulate, pull back all your resources and all your spending versus putting your foot on the gas and taking advantage of the uncertainty and the fact that a lot of players in the market were doing the same thing. The approach that we took was very much to hunker down, consolidate, be careful with where we apply our resources and come out the other end stronger, which is the Alicia approach to uh, Stuck in the Mud. We were hiding behind all the trees. <laughs> it works. <laughs> it is effective. And then I think interestingly, the second lesson that I also took from Stuck in the Mud. So obviously a big part of the game is choosing to help others. So you can watch everyone get stuck and just think, nah, 
good luck. Or you can obviously go the opposite end and just spend all your time sliding under other people's legs and just like saving them all the time. You know, you're in this competitive game. How much of your time should you spend protecting yourself versus time that you should spend helping others? And I feel like in business, that's an identical thing where, you know, if you're in a team, there's always calls for help. There's always support you need to provide another project. So that's always a thing. And you constantly have to balance that with what you need to do. You can just like not help anyone. I would argue that's a recipe for disaster in the long run because you will need someone's help. Likewise, if you just spend all of your time helping others and doing nothing else, you're probably gonna get stuck in the mud pretty quick. That is a very good point. What do you think, Alicia? Is this convincing? Are you convinced that there's much to learn from stuck in the mud or is it still just too traumatic? Well, I'm, I'm still balancing that, but equally learning a lot about how it can be applied to business. And I think there's some really nice elements that you just talked about there in terms of, you know, who do you help out? How much do you help out? And like, what are your boundaries within that? And what do you prioritise as well? So what do we think? Best game of the decade yet? Oh, you know what, Ben? I have to say, I'm going to give you some props here. I'm going to give you a ding because the angle that you've looked at this game from, like, you know, a playground game, the antithesis of what we understand to be business, you know, serious, serious. And like, you've pulled out some really good insights. So you know what? I'm not gonna say it's the best game of the decade ever, because I mean, come on, like we had charades, <laughs> let's be real. But I like the angle, I like the angle. Level two, ding goes the interview. Welcome back everyone. It's time for ding goes the interview, where we're going to finally interview Alicia and find out how games have basically transformed her life. Each time Alicia says something that we think is particularly insightful, we will provide a ding. We'll be keeping our dings secret. And then at the end of the interview, we will reveal how many dings Zuki and I have provided and, and they'll give you a total ding score, Alicia. So are you ready? I am ready. And there is a lot of pressure on this. My competitive side is going crazy right now. First question, Alicia, the big one. What is your favorite ever game? And why? So my favourite ever game is a classic, but it has to be The Sims. I am a, such a huge fan of The Sims and actually it was probably dangerous me coming on this podcast because it reminded me that I needed to go back and play it. So I lost part of my life again to playing The Sims. I mean, fully endorse that. That's what this podcast is about. So why are you such a big fan of The Sims, Alicia? So I'm such a big fan because I love people. I've always loved people and watching their interactions, what drives their behaviours, how they act around each other, how they respond to each other. The Sims embodies all of that, but also you get to control part of that as well and interact with it yourself. Okay, it's essentially a simulation of real life. So some people who are listening to this might be like, well, it's not really kind of fantasy world and it's doesn't it's not escapism and all of that kind of stuff but I think that's what I love about it it's how relatable it is it gives you this element to kind of create an alternate reality within the realms of what you know sims is a really interesting one because it is so universally popular I, I can't remember anyone that hadn't played it at the time it was so unbelievably relatable I remember being younger and it was the one game that both my sisters played that a number of like my friends who are girls played and like a lot of my guy friends played. It was this one game that just united and unified everyone. Whereas a lot of really popular games like, you know, Halo or Final Fantasy VIII, slightly less ubiquitous in terms of the kind of people that they attract. I wonder whether it's because we have this fascination with other people's lives and like that's why you get these like reality TV shows are so popular. And I think The Sims <laughs> has that same vibe, right? It's kind of... It's almost like our own lives, but we're watching someone else do it. And it's that kind of curiosity about us that 
for some reason we're all fascinated by. The thing that I think is quite interesting about it is everyone loves it, but it's also just playing life, like you're just playing the game of life. And everyone, the first character everyone creates is a version of themselves. And I think that the message there for me is that life can be fun if you just make it so. That's kind of the message that we're trying to land here with this show and business. Like business can be fun if you just choose to make it so. So there's a lot of parallels between The Sims and I guess this whole podcast. Oh my God, why are we not as popular as The Sims? (laughs) (laughs) In terms of The Sims and business, do you feel like playing that game taught you anything about you know how to do good business are there any skills you picked up from playing the game for business i think there's an element here of choice and control right and as business leaders you are given a lot of choice and control but it's how you use that and you can make really good decisions and you can make really bad decisions so you could have your sim setting things on fire or peeing in the back garden or you could have them living a great life at a party having a good night's sleep, eating a good meal with a friend. And it's your choice to choose what that looks like. And we've probably all been there as well with The Sim, where we might have worked them super hard so they can have that big house. But we've also seen how that Sim breaks down crying in the middle of the sitting room or wets themselves at work. (laughs) And it's because we've lost focus of what that person needs because we were so focused on building that big house. And I think for me, that's kind of the real story there of making sure that people get what they need to be successful, to do great things without it being as a consequence to their health and well-being. One thing that I think The Sims does really well, and there's a lesson for business for sure, is that like all these things you're saying, like looking after people's wellness and stuff, if you don't do that, if you don't take care of the basics and the essentials, if you don't look after your people, they just will refuse outright to do the stuff that you want them to do. If you really want them to go to work and you know get a promotion the next day, they have to go to work in a happy mood. If you look after your people within an organization, the stuff that you need to do as a business will happen. But if you don't do that, you're gonna really, really struggle. 100%, it's so critical and even more so now. You know, We've all gone through a pandemic and people have been working from their respective homes and it's making sure that everyone actually has what they need to do great work, but also to do great things in their life as well. And I think also in The Sims, you know, occasionally your characters or your Sims will surprise you by doing something you didn't sort of control them to do, but they did something awesome anyway. And I think it's because if you tap into and understand the ambitions and environments that your Sim or anyone that you work with or is around you wants and needs, they'll do awesome things without you having to control or demand it from them. So moving on to the next question, Could you name a challenging moment in your career and tell us any skills that games helped you develop that helped you overcome that moment in your career? Yeah, so with this, for me, it's kind of around the everyday moments, so almost the micro moments. So we work with a lot of founders, CEOs, business leaders. You can enter into a business and, you know, you really need to build trust strong communication and collaboration really early on, particularly when you're talking about things like purpose, culture and and growth at potentially difficult times. And so a lot of the time you might be introduced into a meeting and we all know what those meetings can look like. It can be a bit dry, people a bit tense, they're preoccupied with other things going on. And it's about breaking down those boundaries really quickly. So for me, it's about bringing in games that we might have learned in preschool. So we talk about stuck in the mud, things like that. You know, it might be even things you learn at drama school, things like improvisation. 
It might even be in your drinking games. We might share some insights about an organisation back to the business leaders and they're about to hear something that's a bit rough about their culture. So how do you do that in a way that people are going to engage with it, they're going to listen and they're actually going to take that feedback on and do something about it. An example of that, we worked with a media company who we had to deliver some insights back to them. And so we were like, okay, let's look at all the shows that they've done. So we played the game Blankety Blank. I even sang the theme tune. That was an error. Don't do that, but you know. We showed the insights, but they were blanked out. And then we got people to guess what those blanks were in the insights. So we heard what their assumptions were, but then we played back what the reality was. So not only had we challenged their assumptions, but they had also seen and taken on board what the insight was there and then. I like that a lot. Uh, Alicia, that's that's actually a very good game idea. If you... um. Have you ever considered a career in, uh, in a gamification game? <laughs> it's basically what we do. <laughs> Question number three. If you were a hero in a game, what kind of hero would you be? And I, I particularly mean the kind of traits that you would have that you would carry into your kind of work persona. So I think it's really interesting you mention about the work persona because I actually believe that just having one persona that sits across both work and life. And the reason for that is I always want to show up in work with, you know, being my true self. And that's really critical to what I do and would always invite people I work with to do the same thing. I'm hoping this is perhaps a persona that personifies in both those settings. Went a bit rogue with this one. So it's Edna from The Incredibles. <laughs> and the reason for that is she is not a superhero but she enables the superheroes to do awesome things because she designs the outfits that best suit their superpowers and make them do their best work. And she delivers the best pep talks I've ever seen and just generally is pretty awesome. And I wouldn't mess with her. <laughs> I love that. I remember when I first saw Edna in The Incredibles, Edna Mode, I remember being so amazed because like she's just this tiny tiny character and she's just like the definition of like dynamite coming in small packages and she just has such a massive impact just in terms of the outfit she creates and the details she thinks about and like the way she explains everything and she's, she's just excellent can i confess i haven't seen the incredibles whoa what <laughs> this has been good i'm gonna leave <laughs> oh i've actually had a message from the producer I've had a message from my employee saying that I'm fired. So that's, <laughs> that's a new take on employer-employee dynamics. I'm embracing it. I apologise to our producer, Evie. I apologise to you, Alicia. I apologise. Well, I don't apologise to you, Ziki. But I do apologise to, to you, our listener. I'm sure you've seen it. I would apologise to Edna Mode, actually. Edna Mode, obviously. God, that should have come at the top. Obviously, I apologise to you, Edna. That, that is it's a travesty, really. So, and don't worry, I, I still dinged you for it. So, that, you know. It's all good. Alicia, I think that's a great choice. I like the angle of like, it's not so much about like the power that you have, but the power you enable other people to have. There's a great quote by Patty McCord, one of my favorite business people. The role of businesses isn't to empower people, it's to remind them that they walk through the door with power and give them the, the tools and equipment they need in order to, to utilize it. And I think that's very, very true. Where businesses have a habit of just being like, okay, come in, these are the rules, this is your manager, this is the person who's gonna tell you what to do, this is how stuff is, don't make too many decisions. And that's just not an effective way of using human minds. I really like that as an approach. You go, Edna, you go. Right, moving on to the final question of Dingo's The Interview. 
and it is, have you seen any good examples of games or, you know, game principles being used in the real world? So one of my favourite examples of this is around the MRI scanner. So this was a design company who basically looked at why children were going in for MRI scans and, you know, just really having a traumatic experience, which is, is really understandable. They're in these tiny enclosed spaces. They've got to stay still for a long period of time. So they basically looked at how this could be designed to ensure that kids found it less scary, less daunting. So they created something called the Adventure Series, which would start with a storybook for the kids, which they would start reading before their appointment. So it could be the story of a pirate, it could be the story of a space adventure, and they would be that character who was going on the journey. So then by the time they got to the MRI scanner, that had then become the pirate ship or it had become the space rocket. And then they would continue that journey when they're in the MRI scanner. So they'd still be that on that adventure. They'd be using that space to look around and then they'd be told that they could take away a piece of treasure at the end of the experience. So there's this whole end-to-end -end journey basically of a game being created around something that was otherwise something that was quite traumatic for a young child and really upsetting was becoming a moment of joy and something they started to look forward to and that for me is just like the perfect example of tapping into a human need and designing something that responds to that but with the beauty of game and play in it as well. I can't believe I've never heard that, that someone running a gamification company, because that is an unbelievably brilliant example of it. And also a really good example of how gamification doesn't have to be that complicated. Sometimes it's about the hero's journey that, you know, hero's journey is a big part of any game and it's just about building that narrative around it. That is definitely one of the best examples I've heard of doing that. That is so effective. What I find interesting about that is that that was a solution that was found for children. I mean, I've never had an MRI scan myself, but I have had a number of hospital experiences that have been quite unpleasant by their very nature. But I can't help but think we go through these efforts for children because we need to protect them. If we apply that same thinking to a lesser extent, obviously, with the adults, then a lot of adults will have a much more pleasant and positive experience, especially in hospital environments as well. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think the more we can do of it, it's weird that we stop doing it after childhood. And yet, as we get older, we face all these other things that we never knew about or knew we'd be faced with. And yet we lose that sense of fun and play and creativity, which should become even more valuable, especially as we get older and what that looks like. I heard a really nice story as well about, I think it was a centre for those suffering from dementia. And they started creating rooms where they would take them back to a certain period in time and play the music. So it was tapping in again to those memories and thinking about those nice experiences. But why does it have to be at either end of the scale? Shouldn't it be throughout our lives that we can involve that in processes that otherwise seem quite unpleasant and actually we could flip them into something far more enjoyable? Thank you very much for your answers, Alicia. I'm just going to, uh, Enzuki, if you want to do the same, tally out the dings that we've got from your interview. Nine dings. What have you got, Zuki? I have nine dings as well. Oh, <laughs> we're getting more in unison. We're more in unison, which means I believe you're joint first. You're either joint first or you are just second. I'm going to go with joint first <laughs> and not listen to the final outcome. <laughs> Level three, game my problem. So listener, it's time for our final round, game my problem. We've had you email in your business problems. We've plucked one of those out of the inbox. And we're going to attempt to use games to 
solve that problem for you. So obviously, Alicia, you will be participating in this and you will genuinely have 60 seconds to come up with something for this. So are you braced? Because once I've read it out, we dive in. Fully braced. Let's do this. Dear Let's Play Business, saw your post on LinkedIn. Love the show, brackets, but hate the theme tune, close brackets. Ouch. I run a small design agency in Sheffield and we've been working from home since the start of the pandemic. With the vaccines rolling out, we're trying to get everyone back to the office on a part-time basis. The thing is, we don't want to force people to come back. We want them to want to come back. Our worry is that people being apart from one another is making us feel less like a team, which is tricky when giving design feedback. Is there a way that we can use the fun of games to entice people to come back to the office for a couple of days a week? Thank you, Veronica. Interesting. So just to summarise, Veronica here, who has terrible taste in theme tunes. She's running this design agency. Everyone's been apart for the pandemic. She wants to bring everyone back. She doesn't want to force people to come back. She wants to incentivise them. She wants them to choose to come back. So we've got to create some sort of game that will bring people back together, make them want to come back together. That's the jam. Right, I'm gonna get the timer ready. 60 seconds, your time starts now. Time up, time is up on game. My problem, how are we feeling, uh, Alicia? Are you feeling confident? I've definitely felt more confident, I'm not gonna lie. Fair. Zuki, how about you? Uh, yeah. (laughs) Right. So my game is called Mystery Office. And wait, what's wrong with that name, Zuki? Your names are so bad, Ben. Even when the games are good, the names are just... (laughs) What's wrong with Mystery Office? Anyway, each week, there's going to be a mystery item in the office that's hidden. And what's going to happen is different staff members they're going to have clues placed in their locker or on their desk each person will get different clues and realistically with just one clue it's too difficult to find this item in the office but with several clues if you work together you could probably find it so the the idea is that if you go in the office you get your clue other people go in the office get their clues and then you work together to be like what have you got oh okay so so maybe it's in the kitchen but but you've got that and then you piece it together to work out where this mysterious item is and then if you find it you're rewarded with riches or to be worked on okay it's you know 60 seconds but the basis of the game is there nice ben nice i mean you know the name's weak the game itself is also weak but less weak (laughs) than the name so i feel like overall overall what are you talking about it's clearly all thought out okay so my game is called in it to win it because you have to be in the office in order to win it being the prize Every day, this agency is going to get together and they're going to have a daily kickoff and everyone's going to come together. You're going to kick off with a game and it might be anything from like a juggling competition or it might be an arm wrestling competition or it might be a like, you know, that game where you have to go around, you have to say like word association, some game like that. And then basically you get points, you get points for showing up, but then you also get points for winning the game. And then at the end of the month, the quarter or whatever, there's some sort of prize again bribing people to come to the office but hey like you got to have something you got to be in it to win it all right still showing off your game name all right not bad not bad i'll give you it's a decent name i would argue your name is stronger than your game if i'm being honest you know coming out with fight and talk i'm not sure i'd be in that to win it ouch (laughs) all right alicia i just want you to know before you reveal your game while ben might completely tear you apart 
I am going to be nothing but kind. Just go ahead, do your thing, and know that one of us has your best interests at heart. <laughs> Here goes. <laughs> so, it was trying to be a play on words in terms of the title. It was called Picture Perfect, but you'd spell it pitch, as in a design pitch, instead of picture perfect. But then the idea is, it's like a leaderboard. I'm imagining it digital. It has everyone's faces on it, and you can add emojis to each of their faces for how you interacted with them on that day and what that lovely interaction was, how they made you feel, what they said to you while you're in the office, but also so people from working from home can see this picture board and the wonderful interactions that are happening in the office. They feel connected to it. They might feel, hey, I need to be part of that. And actually, what's going on in this pitch I want to know more of. And it's this whole interactive picture board full of emojis, emotions, and joy. Alicia, you're annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Suki. I did have two people ahead of me, though, to give me perhaps a little bit more time to think. That genuinely ticks a lot of boxes as a game because it doesn't bribe people. It genuinely just displays some of the value of face-to-face -face interactions. It, it just works. Thank you so much. I'm I'm stealing it. I'm charging for it. I'm going to I'm going to profit off your idea, Alicia. That's the plan. I like that you also. There's no shame here at all. You're like I'm stealing your idea. Nice to meet you. See ya. <laughs> Alyssa, what I quite like about that game is that while Ben and I have tried to sort of bribe people with some sort of points thing, what you've done is you've just lent into the fact that people want to feel part of something. They don't want to miss out and they want to feel like their peers see them the way that they want to be seen. You've just tapped into that little insight there and I, I quite like that. Like my inner ego is like, whoa, 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 I'm going to be there every day. I'm going to make people feel so good. I'm going to have so many love heart emojis. Oh, it's going to be great. Yeah. It's all about that ego boost, right? Thank you for your Game My Problem submissions. Uh, Veronica, problem solved. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you very much for joining us today, Alicia. Have you have you had a good time? I've had a great time. Really enjoyed it. Thanks so much for inviting me on here. Do you know what, Alicia? Because your game was so good, I think we should give you a bonus ding. Ooh. Based off that. Yes! This is what I was hoping for. I think, what do you think, Ben? I think, I think that does it. I'm a real rule conformer, so I am wriggling a bit here. But no, you're right. That genuinely was an exceptional idea. We'll bump you up. 19 points it is. So you are now either definitely joint first or just sitting on the perch all on your own looking down. I can't wait to find out. Thank you once again, Alicia, for joining us today. It has genuinely been a pleasure, as I say, to have you on board. And to you, listener, thank you very much for listening to episode five of Let's Play Business. Now, of course, if you've got a business problem that you would like our help with, then do make sure you email in your dilemma to letsplaybusinesspodcast at gmail.com. That's letsplaybusinesspodcast at gmail.com. Now, we will be following suit next month with a brand new episode, so make sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. All our social media handles will be in the show notes below, as well as links to uh, my company, Alternate Experiences, in case you want to have a peek at the gamification that we offer. But for now, I have been your host, Ben Fowler. And I have been your host, Zuki. Thank you again for listening. We will see you on the next episode. Okay, so how's this one? How's this one? <clears throat> we are Let's Play Business, and you are the weakest link. Goodbye. That's good, right?